Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service on October 10th, 2010, 10, 10, 10. And uh, today we continue our look into the Lord's Prayer. Last week we started on Our Father in Heaven. Today we look at Your Kingdom Come. Also, we've got Alpha coming up on Tuesday night. We did our introductory dinner last week, and that was a great time. We still have a few slots open, so if you know anybody who wants to come out, bring them on out Tuesday night. We'll be talking about the topic of the evening, who is Jesus? So, And don't forget, this Saturday we have Fall for Art. We'll be turning our church into an art gallery. Got a live jazz band, local artists who are going to be displaying photography and paintings uh, that'll be Saturday at our church from 6:30 to 9 6 to 9 p.m. and the next morning we start our second service so uh, 9 and 10:45 a lot of stuff going on thanks for listening let's go to the talk <laughs> uh, we started a series last week and I I talked about the words you know, we're going to be in the Lord's Prayer for a few weeks, kind of taking it line by line. And just a little re- recap of what previously happened um, is that um, we talked about the words, Our Father. And those words, when Jesus used them, they certainly uh, speak of our relationship with our Heavenly Father and, and how we're in a new family. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, some people like that. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> But what Jesus actually meant was, was much bigger than that simple concept. It was about being an apprentice son. We can see this in the book of John. Jesus says the son only does what he sees the father doing. He only speaks what he hears the father saying. And so we talked about the idea of, of by just saying our father, we're not just saying, hi, dad, I'm glad I'm your son. We're saying I'm submitting my life as an apprentice to your work to what you're doing in the world around us. So with that in mind, I want to start off by showing a little video this morning. It's not climbing the stairway to heaven, it's buying the stairway to heaven. Buying? Buying. Google it. Buying the stairway to heaven? That doesn't even make any sense. Forget it. I'm bored. How can you be bored? This is heaven, man. Exactly. There's nothing to do here. Look, it's not like I would prefer to be in the other place. But I've been here for 1,462 years, 12 days, and three minutes. I feel like I've done it all a million times. We could go to the hymn sing on cloud 48. No thanks. Loop practice on cloud 23? 
boring. We could hang out on cloud nine. Cloud nine is always too crowded. Just an eternity to go. I know. Want to play Risk? Yeah, I guess so. Awesome! Oh man, who put this away? The armies are all mixed up. It's gonna take forever to sort them out. Go ahead. We've got time. We didn't have more Zeppelin fans than that in here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I started with this silly little video because I think it gets at some some ideas that we, you know, misconceptions that, that have kind of become entrenched in our minds when we think of kind of the point of our Christian faith. Uh, ideas that have come from the popular culture, but they've kind of entrenched their way in the the imagination of the church even. <clears throat> we hear songs like, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days until I fly away. As if the real action happens when we die, or Jesus kind of snatches us out of this place. But I think there's a little bit more to that. You know, I, I, gotta, I remember when I was a kid watching Tom and Jerry and Tom occasionally would get killed by Jerry, um, and he would end up in the clouds. And what would he look like? He would he'd have wings now and a halo, and he'd be playing a harp. And uh, that's kind of the idea that that many people have about Christianity. That 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 really the only thing that is important is that we kind of get our our ticket, <laughs> so we can go up there when we die. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll even get our wings. You remember, it's a wonderful life. What was that angel's name that was Clarence. Clarence? Yes, Clarence. Clarence was waiting to get his wings. And uh, we kind of have this idea that that someday when this life is over, we're going to be up there on a cloud. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll get wings. We'll become an angel. But this idea, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it really comes from the New Testament. You know, I love mountains. I love going to the beach. We got anybody that loves going out in the creation of God? Yeah. I, I think, man, I, li I live like a few blocks from the, the Trace and Abita Springs, and I, I go out on that on my bike all the time, and I just enjoy that. I love hanging out with my wife and kids. I love drinking coffee. I love eating a good meal with, with close friends of mine. I love all of these things, but the problem is when I think about the afterlife, at least the way it's been presented to us in popular culture, 95% of the things that, that I enjoy here on earth aren't going to be there. Have you ever thought about that? This is, uh, you know, heaven, at least as cast in the popular imagination, doesn't, doesn't have any of these things. You know, at least, at least I'm a musician. You know, being on a cloud, playing a harp, you know, at least, you know, I... I 
I got a starting place. Some of you, you, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. And so I can imagine a picture like these guys up on a cloud playing Stairway to Heaven on a harp. That's got to that's gotta look like, you know, hell to you. Like, like is, is that it? Is that the whole point of all this? We go through a, a hard life, and then someday, when this life's over, we just get to hang out on clouds. Or I've actually heard a lot of pastors say this, that, uh, you know, if you don't like worshiping God, if you don't like the worship service here, you're going to hate heaven. And, uh, you know, trying to, like, like heaven is going to be non, this nonstop church service in the sky. Well, you know, I, I believe we will be worshiping, but I really believe this, this idea of where things are going in the Christian faith is, is, is erroneous. It's not, it's not rooted in the Bible. See, this morning we prayed the Lord's Prayer all together, didn't we? You all saw the words up on the screen. And we prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. See, it's not like this is uh, some obscure passage that just kind of got unearthed in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, a few years ago. Some missing prayer of Jesus. This is probably like the most popular prayer on planet earth. There are millions of Christians who pray this prayer multiple times a day. (laughs) It's most people who aren't even Christians could recognize these words. So I want to ask, how have we missed it? How have we missed the point? How have we got lured into thinking that all this doesn't matter? That the only thing that matters is some morning when this life is over. See, if we were to rearrange the Lord's prayer to fit the way we think, it would probably go like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Please take me to heaven when I die. That's what we believe. But we don't, we, we've missed what Jesus was getting at. A, a few years ago, you remember uh, the Da Vinci Code when that came out? <clears throat> uh, Dan Brown. He wrote a hugely popular book called The Da Vinci Code, and then they made a movie with Tom Hanks. And uh, the whole Da Vinci Code was, was based on this premise that the true Gospels, uh, you know, that there was some hidden wisdom back in, in the early church, and the early church tried to subvert it and hide the truth, but the real truth of, of, of about Jesus was in these extra Gospels. And, and you know, there are some actual gos- extra Gospels other than what you have in your Bible. You ever heard of the... Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Judas. I think there's even a Gospel of Mary. And these were actual books that existed. The only problem is they existed about 150 to 200 years after the original Gospels, the ones that you actually have in your Bible. There's a reason you have these Gospels in your Bible because they were actual firsthand accounts. What we call these other Gospels is the Gnostic Gospels. And they come from this kind of idea that was very popular in uh, thir- you know, third century Greek thought, which was called Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is, is this idea, you know, and I, I can think out of all the threats that have, have been against the church in history, you know, the Roman Empire was this evil empire that was opposing Christians. That wasn't a huge threat. Christians just kept on multiplying the kingdom of God. 
There were pagan religions out there. They didn't do anything either. I think the biggest threat to Christianity that has grown up alongside Christianity and many times found its way into the church is Gnosticism. Now, what is Gnosticism? Well, it's a, it's a variety of things, but there's some, some, some kind of common beliefs in Gnosticism. <clears throat> One is that the material world is bad. So the material world, that includes, you know, your, your, your body. It includes animals, plants, the creation around us. It's bad. It was created by a fallen deity. It was an afterthought of a lesser god. The second thing that, that Gnosticism says is that the soul, the spirit, is the only thing that matters. It's, it's the only thing that ultimately matters about you. And the third thing is that there's this idea in Gnosticism that we're just hanging around till we can get free of these human bodies and so we can go in, into the afterlife. And one of the ways to do that, besides dying, is to find hidden meanings in the Bible, or hidden knowledge. Actually, the word Gnostic, it actually it comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And so these Gnostic Christians, they believe that everything that we see around us is, is bad, and that we need to escape it, and that the only thing that matters is, is, is the soul inside you that, that needs to get free of your body so it can reach complete enlightenment. Now, as I say these things, you may think, dude, that's what I've learned in church my whole life. I've learned that this word, that this world around us is, a, is an evil world, and we need to escape it or hide away from it. And the only thing that matters is going to heaven when I die. That idea didn't come from your Bible. It didn't come from Jesus. It came from another place. And the truth is right here in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wasn't trying to get us to simply hang on and bide our time until we die. He wanted us to live as he did and pray for and live for the kingdom of God to be manifest on earth as it is in heaven. I think I've got a blank on your outline today. Uh, I want to give us kind of a, a simple working definition of the kingdom of God. Here it is. I'll say it twice. <laughs> the kingdom of God is simply the realm where things are as God intends them to be. Basically, anywhere we see things as intended to be as God would have them be, that's the kingdom of God. So in heaven... There's no sickness, disease, there's no murder, there's no abuse, there's no greed. It's the realm where things are exactly as God intends them to be. So this kind of gives us an understanding, at least, of what the kingdom of God is. Because I, I understand when we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, it can kind of seem like kind of an abstract concept that doesn't touch us, but we're, we're going to get there. I want to talk a little bit as we move on about the story that God is telling here. And this will kind of explain a little bit about the kingdom of God. Let's go to that slide. <clears throat> In your Bible, this, this represents your Bible. It's not a hymnal. It may be actually, but uh, this is meant to be the Bible. The, the story of the Bible is really the story 
of Jesus. We believe that as Christians, that, that, that all the stuff in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, whether it was the Exodus, like I talked about last week. The Exodus was foreshadowing when Jesus would actually come, as Moses did to the Jewish people. Jesus would come to, to the whole of humanity and, and bring them out of slavery. So the whole, the whole Bible is a story of Jesus. Let's click this again. I, I, I forgot my, my manual remote, so I'll just kind of click. Um, <clears throat> what we see, if you take the bookends of the Bible, you can try this out. I'm not going to, there's a lot of scripture, so you can try this out on your own this week. But at the beginning of the Bible, the first two chapters of Genesis, and at the end of the Bible, we, we find that they're strikingly similar. In the beginning, in the first two chapters of Genesis, we have the kingdom of God. This is, this is God, by the way, the king. And uh, Adam and Eve, and they're in a garden. In this original state, there was no such thing as going somewhere else when you died because there was no other place, and there was no such thing as death. It was all God's realm. God dwelt among people. All right, next slide. Now, we'll go to the end of the book. Let's get the next slide here. <laughs> my imaginary remote control. What we see in the book of Revelations, we see <laughs> the king with not two people, but a multitude of people, and we see peace again. What you'll find in, in the first chapters, the first two chapters of Genesis, the last two chapters of Revelation, you see God dwelling among people. You see harmony between relationships, and you actually see it on earth. The last two chapters of the, the book of Revelations, it talks about the, the, the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, the prayer that we've been praying all these years is finally gloriously answered that God, not, God doesn't abandon the world. He redeems it. He restores it. It's put back to the way it was in the beginning. Click. So the story in between is the story of God's rescue plan, how God is going to save humanity. Why do we need saving? Well, because there was a point in the story. These are, these are amazing graphics, aren't they? <laughs> Stick figures with fig leaves. <laughs> you know, these are PG slides here. Uh, what happened is when sin enters into the world, think of it as, as a rebellion, uh, a kingdom that, that wants to... Remember when... Back in American history, the, the, the southern states decided to secede from the northern states. And, and they decided, hey, we're gonna go, we don't want to be a part of your United States anymore. We're going we're gonna to do our own thing. Well, that's kind of what human beings said to God. We, we want to secede. We want autonomy. We want to do it on, your own, on our own. So when sin came into the picture, all of a sudden, for the first time in history, there were two kingdoms. There was God's realm defined by life, and then there was man's realm which was marked by death and sin. And so this is, this is the world that we were in. One more slide here. And then Jesus comes. And in the, 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 the life of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, we see the invasion of God's kingdom once again into our world. And so now we live in this overlap. Did, did the kingdom of God come fully in Jesus? Well, it came fully, but not, not 
fully as it will here in the end. In the cross of Christ, it was a decisive battle, but that battle is working its way out. Actually, Jesus talked about uh, what the kingdom of God is like. He said it starts very small. It starts like a mustard seed. It starts like yeast and bread. You, You can't even hardly see it. It's very small, but it begins working its way from here to here. Let's get our last slide, which I think is just kind of a sum. So we live, we live in this place, which is the overlap between God's kingdom, God's kingdom coming, and the kingdom of the world. What we'll find at the very end, as, as, as it says in, uh, what is it, Revelations eleven fifteen, says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. That's where we're going, that someday... The kingdom of this world that's defined by death and violence and hatred and bitterness and, and, and rebellion against God. One day, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God, and God will reign on a restored, renewed creation. You know, when I talk, you can get the next slide, I think. I think that's, that's all i got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the reasons why... I like mountains, and I like hanging out with people. I like eating good food. You know, one of the reasons I like all that stuff is that's the way God made me. You know, God actually created you to live in a place, and earth is the place he created you for. You, you like sunsets, and you like oceans, and you like being with people because that's the way God made you. Those are not evil desires, the Gnostic ideas of, of Christianity would tell you that, that all those desires, you know, for, for, for the, the things in this world are bad. Well, yeah, you can take any desire and it can become sinful, obviously. You can take a, a beautiful thing like sex and, and it can turn into an abusive, manipulative, uh, objectifying situation. Or you can experience it the way God has. But see, these desires that we have in our heart, the things that we really enjoy in our life... It, it's because God put that there, and God made us for this place. Jesus tells us to pray for the kingdom. What does this mean? What does this mean when we pray for the kingdom? If all that stuff that I told you right there is true, okay, what the heck does it mean to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done? Well, I'll say this. I think the ultimate revelation of God and his kingdom is Jesus Christ. I don't think you get any higher revelation than that. Some people come up with personal revelation. Eh, I don't know. Some people write books. No. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and God's kingdom. So if you want to know what the kingdom looks like, it looks like Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I love this. He, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. These words talk about Jesus reconciling everything to him through his sacrifice, through what he did, because, and that's what he's about, and that's what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom looks like Jesus when he's healing the sick. You read these stories about Jesus touching a leper and cleansing him. Jesus healing the various blind people. Jesus healing the paralytic. You know what that is? That's the kingdom of God breaking into our world. Because in God's realm, in heaven, there's no sickness. There's no disease. We see God's kingdom breaking in. It's Jesus feeding the hungry. When Jesus fed the 5,000, on a couple occasions. That's the kingdom of God coming into our world. You know, uh, in God's kingdom, there's no hungry people. (laughs) There's no lack. There's no want. We see even when Jesus is is having dinner with Matthew and all the the kind of scum of the earth, you know, the, the rejects, the people that felt far from God. You know what that was? That was a kingdom activity. Jesus was stepping among those who felt like they were far off from God, and Jesus is saying, this is the kingdom. And you guys, I'm extending the invitation to you. These are all pictures. If you want to know what the kingdom looks like, just take a, do a little Bible study on Jesus. Look at what he does. See, it's not simply enough to pray. We're going to pray these words. We prayed them this morning. Your kingdom come. We sang about it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not enough to just pray, though. See, it wasn't enough for Jesus either. Jesus didn't just pray for God's kingdom to come. He actually brought God's kingdom forth. God's kingdom came forth through him. Now, you may be thinking, well, hey, that was Jesus. That's not me, you know? Well, Jesus said, you're going to do greater stuff than I did. Jesus said, if if you follow me, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and and, and he's going to allow you to do things. That's why we, we oftentimes pray for people up here who are sick. We ask, you know, at the end of the service, we've done this the past few weeks, that somebody's sick, we'll, we'll pray for them. What are, we, what are we praying for? God's kingdom to come to bear. And I've seen plenty of people get healed before. I've been healed before. Jesus didn't simply pray. He lived a life that brought forth the kingdom of God. See, we can't just pray for the justice of God, but we must be the kind of people that seek the justice of God. You know, after Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, he goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and and, and you don't have to worry about the rest. You know that word righteousness is actually probably a better translation as justice. Seek God's justice. It's not not enough to just pray for it. God, I, I pray that you would do something for those people over there. No, if you're connected to it, you jump into the middle of that. We cannot simply pray for reconciliation for other people. We must ourselves be reconcilers. We can't be divisive, bitter, mean people, right? Can I get an amen? Don't shout me down now. (laughs) We cannot simply pray for God to help 
others in their time of need and do nothing ourselves. The, the Apostle James actually talks about that. He said, you know, if somebody comes to your door and they need something to eat. Don't just say, hey, God bless you. <laughs> bless you, brother. Let me pray for you. No. Go into that pantry of yours, get some of your dinner, and share it with those who don't have food. It's not enough to just pray. We need to pray, and we pray all the time. God, when there's a sick person, when there's somebody going through it, I'm, I'm saying, God, I, just let your kingdom come. I want to see your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to see the brokenness in this person restored. I want to see this person's eyes open. I want to see healing. But we have... We have to actually live in such a way that has to affect our actions. It can't just be up here because we're actually praying for God's realm to come here. We're not just hanging on. This world matters. Your friends matter. Your relationships. I, I'll use two analogies here as I, as I get ready to close. Maybe I'll go ahead and get my band up here what's left of them. Uh, I think Zach had to leave. Uh, I like to think of Jesus as a master composer. And he composed the greatest song that any ear will ever hear. And the rest of us are like musicians who have heard that music and been inspired by it, and it's changed our life. We can't go back to any other music anymore after hearing that song. But we don't stop there. You don't stop by simply being inspired. No, we pick up our guitars, our pianos, and we learn the song, and we play it for the world around us. I think another analogy would be to think of Jesus as, as kind of like, uh, let's say, the guy who discovered penicillin. And we're all sick. And we all begin to take his medicine and we're healed. But we're not just called to be healed. We're called to be the healed healers, the ones that are going to those who need the medicine that we have and inviting them into that. That's what it means to, to pray for the kingdom to come to live as kingdom people. This morning, we're going to close with a song we did in worship. And, and I just want you to think, we're, we're going to, uh, we introduced this song this morning. Uh, it's actually an old song, but uh, it's new to me, probably new to y'all. Um, that when we sing these words, Jesus, hear my prayer. I want to see the lost come home. See the broken hearts made whole. I want you to think of some people. Do you know anybody that fits in that category in your life? We're going to sing these words and pray them for those people. Jesus, hear my prayer. I want to see the sick made well. See the world find love that is real. Do you know anybody that fits in that category? Jesus, hear my prayer. I want to see the hungry fed. See lives rise from the dead. Do you know anybody that fits in that category? We're going to sing this. We're going to pray this. But ultimately, when we walk out of these doors, we're going to live this. Because that's what God's given us. Why don't you all stand up and uh, we'll get started here. Or get started on our ending. <laughs>